the reading that we're looking at this afternoon, I was thinking about this through the week, in lots of ways for a reading that was 2,000 years ago. I don't think there could be anything that is more appropriate for our situation today. I think for many of us, the the announcements over this past week have become um, another source for concern. Many of us have become, become armchair virologists. We, we kind of think we know how this thing should play out and we might have opinions one way or the other. And um, it seems to me as though some of the best minds across the world have got different views, different ideas, but inevitably what that means is that we end up, end up in a situation where there are more reasons for us to be perplexed, for us to be fearful, for us to be concerned. And so it's really appropriate, I think, at this point for us to ask this text, what does calm hope look like in the face of fear? Because I, I don't know about you, but I think what we need more than anything at this point is calm hope. Because we inevitably are facing fear for many of us. Uh, and maybe if you're not the kind of person who is wound up uh, about the current situation, you might actually be quite relaxed. Then I'd encourage you to look on to others around you and, and at least enter into some of the fear. Stand alongside them in their fears. Um, because maybe one day you'll reach a point where there is that fear in your life. And hopefully we can continue to point you back to a place where we believe there can be calm hope. So Paul's right into this church in Corinth who are going through and will be going through incredible difficulties. But he's also talking about his own difficulties. You see, the Corinthian church, they, they were beginning to listen to uh, other people who had other ideas who really were, were belittling Paul. And Paul is saying, the reason that one of the reasons that, that, that they're belittling me is because they're pointing to all of the terrible things that have gone on in my life. Uh, and one of the things that he does gently through this letter is he encourages the church to say, the things that are terrible that I've endured are precisely the reasons why you should listen to me not why you shouldn't listen to me. And uh, let, let's take a trip through this text in three jumps. Because I think calm hope in the face of fear, firstly, it begins with really hearing. And, and the emphasis there is on the really hearing. To hear with a positive response. Look at what Paul says in verse one and two. Therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God first thing that we see in this journey to really hearing 
is the experience of God's mercy that Paul has had has caused him to be a proclaimer, a heralder of a plain truth. The good news about Jesus is plain and simple. We've got a really thick book called the Bible and it contains all sorts of things. Some of them are really complex to work through. But you know, the basic message of the hope in Jesus is simple. I'm going to see it unfold through these next few words, but it's simple. It's plain. It's not a mystical or intangible philosophy, something that you have to be really smart to understand, something that you have to spend years and years coming to terms with, although we will spend years and years digging into how amazing it is. It is really simple. It is plain. And Paul's saying it's actually not about me. It's about the plain truth of God's mercy. That's what I want you to hear. Second thing he recognizes in this journey of um, hearing, truly, really hearing, is that you can have that hearing impaired. He describes it by the God of this age, or we could call it something slightly different to go alongside that. We could we could call it the spirit of now. That's another way that we could talk about it. In in the previous in first chapter, one Corinthians chapter one and verse twenty, Paul says, "Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age?" He's saying. Where's the clever people for now? Because the clever ideas for now, the spirit of this age, can cause you not to hear the plain truth. See how he says this in verse 3 and 4. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there's the gospel, there's the good news of God's mercy. The good news of God's mercy, the light, is the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. But there's a possibility that we might not hear that, see that, because we've been blinded by what is currently a louder voice in our age. Wow. I don't think anything could be more prevalent than the massive worldwide spirit of concern against this current virus. And it is massive and it is understandable. But the reality is that that is a spirit of this age, which seems bigger, it seems bigger than hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. And when it becomes bigger so that we don't hear the good news of Jesus Christ, it veils that good news. And we're blinded to the good news because the pressing issue of today seems bigger than the good news of God's mercy in Jesus Christ.
That is not belittling the absolute horrors of this current situation. It is saying, however, that the good news of Jesus is actually even bigger than that. How do we how do we experience that? What does what does truly hearing that look like? Well, Paul concludes this journey of what it means to really hear by saying that that message, that good news, is a light shining in the darkness that shines in our hearts. Look at verse six, five and six. What we preach is not ourselves. It's really important. Paul is this heralder of good news, but he's he's kind of heralding with it, almost like with a mirror in his hands. And he's saying, well, as soon as you look at me, let me angle this mirror so that when you look at me, you look rather instead at Jesus Christ. It's not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. The God who said, let light shine in darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Paul's connecting in this. How many of us are in the world? Is it nearly close to 7 billion now in the world right now? And how many billions of people have lived in the world throughout the history of the world? Paul is saying that the light shining in your in the darkness in your heart is as big and as amazing as the ability for God to say, let there be light in the darkness in the very beginning of creation. Light in the darkness couldn't be a more powerful idea a more powerful thought than for our age at the moment the darkness of our experience and what paul says is when that light shines in our hearts it's so powerful that it can become bigger than anything else that is going on you you might feel well i I just i get a, a little tiny glimpse of that I don't feel that all the time. I don't experience that light shining in the darkness all the time. I want to encourage you that if you have even those little moments, even those fleeting glimpses that you yearn for more and more, it's because the light is shining in the darkness. It's because you're you're looking more and more, little by little. Stick at it. Keep looking to that light. Keep seeking the light shining in your heart because that is what really hearing of God's mercy is all about. See, the first thing he says in this passage is he says, it starts with really hearing. The second thing he says is, when we really hear, we experience resilience in crisis. There's been a huge amount of talk, and quite rightly, hasn't there, about the effects of the the current situation on our on our mental health, and it will be a huge impact. It will be huge. 
Paul in this letter to the Corinthians is brutally honest about the reality of who we are, about the reality of who he is. Look at the way he describes that fragility of himself. He says, we have this treasure, this great message, this incredible light of the glory of God's mercy in Jesus Christ. We have it in jars of clay. He says, look, look at me. How, what's a jar of clay? Have you seen those archaeological films where they, where they dig around and they find these fractured jars of clay from the ancient world? Love that kind of stuff. It's so fragile. It's, it's broken. It's very rare that you get a complete one because generally jars of clay from the ancient world have not survived. They're weak and they're fragile. But he's saying in the fragility of me is the all-surpassing power which is from God. It's not, it's not from us. What we're proclaiming is not clever words so that you'll believe in us. It's us pointing you to the indwelling power of God in the fragility of yourself. And therefore, because he sees that he is, yes, fragile, he accepts his fragility. He also is able to go on and say, saying, even though my faith in Jesus Christ is not going to bring me an immunity from anything going on in the world around me, it allows me to see something better in the midst of the crisis. He says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed. I love that. Paul is perplexed. He's confused at times. He's, he's, he's looking at the situation. Thinking, How can any good possibly come from this? But when it comes to it, he's not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed we always carry around in our body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be revealed in our body that's an amazing idea isn't it he, he's saying we're going to get crushed death is just working its terrible impact on us because we're jars jars of clay but that thing that is going to seemingly triumph in the end is ultimately only going to reveal the greater life in Jesus. Tim Keller, when he's describing this particular passage, he uses a brilliant phrase. He describes Christian hope as being a buoyancy in crisis. We're buoyant. Brilliant picture. I want you to imagine um, a little six-inch six square of polystyrene in the middle of the Southern Ocean with huge waves crashing all around it. It is not a comfortable place to be sat on top of that six-inch cube of polystyrene. But it's not going to sink. For all of the crisis, for all of the trouble, for all of the desperate situation all around, it cannot, it cannot sink. 
And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying that doesn't mean that I'm not going to shed tears. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to feel pain. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to go through some terrible, terrible things. But I am not going to be crushed. I'm not going to be in despair. I am not abandoned. I am not going to be destroyed. That's the hope that I've got. That's the resilience that this great message of Jesus gives us. So we see it starts with really hearing. It builds within us an experience of resilience and crisis. And we say, well, how can, how can it do that? How does he talk about carrying around in my body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be revealed? Well, that, that is the foundation on which all of this argument is based. He's saying, when you really hear the news of God's mercy, when you see that it can build resilience in you in this way, it's because you have confidence in eternal life in Jesus. Jesus Christ is our hope. And we can see that the hope is founded on his defeat of death. Look at what he says in verse 13. I believed, therefore I have spoken. So that's written. And he says, we, we have the same spirit of faith. We believe and therefore we speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. You see that? Present us with you to himself. He's saying, you Corinthians who believe alongside me. We're going to be raised with Jesus and we're going to be presented with Jesus together before him. Isn't that, isn't that an amazing thing? It's that very foundation. It's that very confidence, which means that the buoyancy, the resilience of truly hearing Jesus Christ is actually bigger even than the worst experience that we could go through. even a global pandemic. It is bigger because ultimately nothing, nothing can defeat the hope of the resurrection and the bringing of life from the death, from death that the hope in Jesus brings. And he goes on from that in verse 16 and he says this then, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. What a what a beautiful, beautiful picture of, I guess, for some of us on a, a kind of, on a spectrum, we're on a journey, we're getting older, we're on various degrees of wasting away. I think one of the things that I'm coming to terms with more now is that the more that I recognize my wasting away, the more I am conscious of being renewed inwardly. I didn't experience it. I've been a believer in Jesus for years and it really didn't have its impact until we start to really go through things and then we realize that, yeah, back there, I was renewed when it 
when in human terms I have no right to be renewed. See, that's our confidence. So we come back to our first question. We say, how can we have calm hope in the face of fear? Hope in the face of fear comes from this. As lockdown eases, as all of the concerns about what might be start to emerge, we realize that our hope is not based, it is not based on who's got the right lockdown strategy. It's not based on who's got the right herd immunity strategy. That is not our hope. Yes, it would be great to live in a country where we get it right, of course. It would be great to see people worldwide getting it right. But ultimately, that's not our hope. Our hope is in something bigger than that. Our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus, the act of God's mercy, which shines that light into our hearts. Maybe you already do have that hope then it's absolutely right for me to point you right now to that hope again. So that you might be reminded, no matter where you are on your journey of faith in Jesus, that that's where, it, that's where it's at, hope in Jesus. Maybe you don't have that hope. Maybe you're just listening in maybe you've joined us thank you so much for joining us this afternoon paul's saying as i'm saying now look i haven't got an answer to lockdown i haven't got an answer to coronavirus i haven't got an answer to all of our fears but i can point you to something that is bigger than all of our fears i can point you to hope in jesus the plain truth of Jesus and I can say therefore do not lose heart though outwardly we're wasting away inwardly we are being renewed for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all that's great news isn't it he's saying look this is momentary Eternal glory far outweighs everything that we might be struggling with right now. So I'm going to close with the final words of our text. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Talk about this unseen enemy. <laughs> We've got an unseen ally. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I pray that we can truly live this calm, resilient, buoyant hope, this death-defying confidence in the face of the gods of this age. I pray that we might hear the voice of God's mercy. Father, we thank you for the great hope in Jesus. We pray that that hope might fill our hearts, shine a light into our hearts, so that the darkness of our fears might be illuminated by the hope of Jesus. 
We thank you that words that were written 2,000 years ago have as much relevance to us now as they ever have. May we look to that hope in Jesus. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. Nice to be back with you again. Paul, I just want to say thank you so much for that word um, and uh, the encouragement that is. And I'm sure it's been an encouragement to, to other people as well. Um, yeah, thank you very much for that. Paul, I, I, they are just some of my favourite verses in, in, all of, in all of scripture mm. and just Oh, what a privilege to hear from them again mm. and to hear truth from them again. And just as you were uh, talking about them, I, I guess one of the special things about being a Christian for me is the ability for God's word to speak to us time and time again through the same things, but but differently. Yeah. So mm. when I was when I was in my teens, there was a really cool Christian band called Jars of Clay. <laughs> <laughs> around and that was the first time I read those verses in in second Corinthians mm. and at the time being a teenager I felt hard-pressed mm. and crushed and you know but those words gave me confidence that God was with me and they spoke to me again in my 20s and they speak to me now as I'm approaching my 40s yeah. and the problems that I had when I was in my teens, were nothing like a global pandemic, mm, yeah, 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 <laughs> or yeah. anything like that. But yet, God's word can still speak to us. Yeah, yeah. And this little sec—I don't know how you found this little um, section in Second Corinthians, but it is pretty amazing, isn't it? I, I think that that's absolutely true, isn't it? And and it speaks to us throughout life in different ways and in different experiences of our own. But then we realised that what Paul was writing was 2,000 years ago to an entirely different group of people. And it spoke to them. And it spoke to people over the next 200 years of Christian persecution under Rome. And it's spoken to people around the world with persecution and difficulty and famine. And, and it's speaking to us today. It's, it's remarkable, really. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and I, I love I love that. I love that the deeper we go in our journey and our experience of faith in Jesus Christ, that the same thing just comes back again. It, it, you never reach the bottom of it, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. I, I think we all often overlook those kind of ordinary moments in life, mm. don't we? Mm. Thinking that. Maybe God isn't in those moments, you know, when you're a teenager, or, you know, at different stages of life. And yet when you look back and you see that thread, not just in your own life, but that thread throughout yeah. all of human history yeah. of yeah. God at work, it's yeah. really uh, yeah. quite a remarkable thing. Yeah, and we should, we should never really underplay those, <clears throat> those experiences. Yeah, as a teenager, you weren't going through a global pandemic. Um, <laughs> But those issues were real for you at that time. They were real for you. Yes, they were. Oh, wow. You, 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 oh. You're with us and you've got a voice. Great. <laughs> I think you two are both safe. If, if the BBC ever come up short, that um, was incredible. Just seamless. Adlibbing, brilliant. Jude and Paul, just <laughs> praise, praise God uh, for equipping you in that moment. Brilliant. Yeah, and. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Paul, for the message. That was 
Yeah, my, to add to Jude's praise already, that was really, really encouraging. So thanks very much. I almost don't know where to start, which bit to think about first, you know, in terms <laughs> of what you've said, just blown away by the fact that we are, we have that same light in us that came at creation. That was a bit of a heart stopper. Do you know what I mean? That that mm. was that blew me away. And what blew me away just as much was thinking about the fact that the, even though I'm getting greyer and hair's you know getting less and I'm getting more wrinkly and you know this and parts of you know in the pain of life God is you know even in the pain of life God's renewing me, which is mm. fun, you know mm. and if I'm just hanging on by my coattails then I'm being mm. renewed. So thank mm. you for that. Just mm. I kind of guess stuff that I knew almost mm. but didn't you know didn't live in light of so thank you mm. thanks very much mm. um yeah just to echo some of what's been said already i always thought that i in light of this passage i always thought that i was on a bit of a journey i always thought the best thing for me the best way for me to serve god would be to reach this point of almost almost this christian plateau this sort of superhuman level where i could sort of exist in this sort of christian zen bubble superhero style it above um above the problems of the world yeah. and that would bring god glory and yet i read this and i realize that god gets real glory if i'm like that what item was floating about in the south indian mm-hmm. ocean paul what was it just that a, little bit a of polystyrene bit of block of polystyrene that you like six it. inch block that you sat on which what actually technically speaking isn't possible but i would not fit on a six inch block <laughs> paul <laughs> yeah just what a, yeah what a picture and yeah and i you know equally just i always you, you get a picture in your head that the most powerful witness we can be like thinking about social media witnesses witnessing just i always think i should be in a place i'm going to post something on facebook about my faith it should it should endorse how strong and awesome things are you know it should be a my best selfie my best picture with things going great and really awesome. And I read that and I think if the Apostle Paul was around today and he was to post, he would post something like, I think, you know, and this is a, a rare thing to put in the Apostle Paul's mouth, but he would post something like, yeah, it's been terrible and I'm hanging on by my fingernails to my faith, but that's what's keeping me going. And that would be way more powerful, I think, than yeah. than a yeah. post that affirmed how awesome you were. Do you know what I mean? How, how awesome things were yeah. going for us. And I just totally forget that. Yeah, and it, it kind of speaks really powerfully to our many of our 21st notion, 20th century notions of religion and spirituality that mm-hmm. that somehow we reach this point or our objective is to rise above this spiritual plane above the world that we live in. Um, we disconnect ourselves from the, the rugged, gritty reality of, of what we're experiencing and, and somehow reach this... Um, this different plane of disconnected thinking. Nothing could be further from the idea of the Christian faith. It is in that gritty mass, gritty reality, that in our brokenness, in our jars of clay, that that the hope of Jesus is seen because, because we're matching in, in that remarkable way. We're matching a saviour who was broken and shattered. Hmm. You know yeah. what? A philosophy Isn't that amazing that, that God yeah. was that God Himself cho- chose to dwell in a jar of clay. Absolutely. Isn't that Absolutely. incredible? 
that yeah. actually in that we echo our saviour. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Complete yeah. profoundness in that, isn't there? So I guess we yep. shouldn't look we shouldn't look past those um, really ordinary moments of life when we think that this you know because sometimes in the real ordinariness when you're really just hanging on actually what you think is this isn't really even part of the faith thing at all you know you go I'm just just keeping it together in this moment just turning to God and having a quiet moment of prayer to get me through the day you sort of dismiss that as actual Christian function but actually this is the stuff that is you know real gold this is really powerful stuff mm -hmm. this is great testimony. Yeah. You know, when I read that, it's I don't I read Paul there, and it doesn't. I know it's preaching, and I know it's um, God's word proclaimed, but at the same time, it's almost just like this is Paul. Is Paul just saying this is my reality? You know, I'm just I am a married to God because it, it yeah. has been really tough for me. It does look like it's all gone wrong for me, and yet in those moments, just hanging on to God yeah. is an incredibly powerful yeah. witness. So we shouldn't, as Christians, we shouldn't we shouldn't try and hide them moments mm. or be embarrassed by them even though we are because that mm. is that's the nuts and bolts of our faith it's in those moments when we we are really human and that's all yeah. seen yeah be really powerful stuff really big lessons in it and it's in that I, bizarrely one of my favorite passages in the bible is psalm 88 most of the psalms you have the beginning of the sort of the psalms that talk about lament you have this lamenting early part of the psalm and then there's there's almost like a seesaw fulcrum point where it turns into praise and joy. Psalm 88 doesn't do that. It just stays in the in the the, the despair really. Mm. And you say, well where where's where's the praise in that? <laughs> It's because the psalmist is continually looking to hope in Jesus, well, hope in God. He's looking desperately for it. And that's that's been my experience lots of times. And and it's that that says that's that's the hope that's written into you that that isn't humanly written. It's divinely written. Yeah. yeah. It's a great analogy, the buoyancy analogy, I found that really and I almost, it'd be, a, it'd be, you almost want the analogy to be, um, you'll, you know, you'll fly or so, but the, the analogy for the Christian yeah. is often that we, that God will give us enough. He'll provide just enough food yeah. um, for God's people in the Old Testament. That's picture keeps coming back over and over again. So you'll yeah. know I'm your saver. I'll keep you afloat. So you will keep looking out for the one who keeps you afloat. And it's a great, it's a great picture. And, um, Another, it's, it's the reality as well. I look back and I go, yeah, 41, 20 odd years a Christian and mostly just a flow and, you know, by, you know, by God's grace over and over again, not messing up mm. quite too much, not, not feeling abandoned, not feeling, mm. you know, just having enough. And in mm. those moments, you, and, and as you said in the, in the talk, in the, it's in those moments when you look back and you go, oh yeah, that was, that was a godly encounter that yeah. shifted me along and moved me along. And, and just, I'm just going to preempt what people might be thinking or res might respond with that. They might say, um, but, but we say that we rise up with wings as eagles. You know, where do we soar? <laughs> um, <laughs> when it, aren't we promised that? And I would say, yes, absolutely. In fact, this, this text promises that very soaring moment 
there are those moments when internally, spiritually, we might soar. But that time when we are face to face with Jesus, when we are with him, presented before him, that's when we rise up. That's when we soar. All right, I've, I've got a, a would you rather for you. Um, everybody loves a would you rather. <laughs> yes. So verse 16 says, therefore, so this is near the, the, the end of the text. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So Paul and Jude, honestly, would you rather um, be inwardly renewed and outwardly getting older and more wrinklier or would you rather externally be getting more and more beautiful and inwardly becoming more and more abhorrent be be, be honest now you must have I, you must have moments i definitely have moments where i'm thinking <laughs> crikey i wouldn't mind you know if that if that was the other way around there are two people that spring to mind um when you ask me this would you rather um one of them is a a Roald Dahl character um, Mrs. Twit, do you know who I'm talking about when I say Mrs. Twit? Mrs. Twit started off a pretty person and because of all her inward horribleness, she became uglier and uglier. And Roald Dahl writes about Mrs. Twit and says to children, don't be like Mrs. Twit. Even if you're ugly on the outside, if you have nice thoughts, you'll look nice on the outside because your personality will just come shining through. So, yes, have a look at what Roald Dahl says about Mrs. Twit. And the other person that I think about is my, my own grandpa, if you don't mind me sharing about him, who um, had his 91st birthday this this week. But, uh, and in his physical health is just failing him badly. But his mental health is, is not. He is uh, able to... He's as sharp as he ever was, um, but he uh, he has a person of faith, and in his 91 years, as his body fails him, the hope that he presents to all his grandchildren and great-grandchildren on the Zoom chat this week mm. is amazing. It's completely mm. inspiring. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I want to be more like my grandpa than Mrs. Mm. Twit, I think, is probably mm. where I would go. <laughs> Brilliant. What about you, Paul? Love it. Brilliant. Um, typically, I kind of think of quite deeply about that and say, well, why do we want to to not fade away physically? It's because we're made to not fade away physically. <laughs> you know, death is a curse. So this fading away is a curse. But what we're fighting against will one day be renewed. So then we say, well, which would I rather? I would rather have both. <laughs> I would rather not fade away and be inwardly renewed. But that's the hope, is that there's one I can't control. I can't control whether I'm going to fade away. I'm slower on my bike now than I used to be. I think I am. Probably am. You must have an app that tells you about that, Paul. It, yeah, well, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that the app's wrong because I can't be that much slower. Um, I am fading away, but you know what? We will be inwardly renewed and we will be physically renewed. 
It's um, what you said in the message has switched. How how it really affected how how you it affects how we think about our life experience, doesn't it? Just yeah. When you 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 can look at those um, difficult moments on the one hand, and you can go, you can count them up and go, man, that's I've had a bad run of things. Mm. And equally, you can look at them and go, man, God has mercifully humbled and shaped me and mm. inwardly renewed me in a way that wouldn't have been possible mm. if I wasn't so human and if I wasn't so vulnerable to the, you know, well, the devil's schemes or so vulnerable to the harsh, you know, the harsh world in which we live. Mm. And mm. we can we can look back. Now that, that my over, overriding reflection is that I should look back on those on those moments with a bit more joy and a bit more delight. Re, Un, you know, understanding purpose, understanding yeah. journey, you know, understanding yeah. renewal, getting a yeah. sense of, of inward renewal yeah. and the value and mm. the value of it. Mm. Right. Our time's up, guys. That was awesome. It's a, I think the, the message today really does bring some comfort. Mm -hmm. um, the truth of it brings some comfort. And I think we can, we can reflect back on that. I invite you... Um, church to um, think back on that for the next you know 10 or 15 minutes or so maybe um, drop a knee in prayer or put some praise and worship on or just think about your life story whatever let's um let's just affirm some of those things just now and let's just pray together as we close uh, father we give you great thanks for your word we give you great thanks for the way it it is so fresh and it is so up to date and it is so really sharp into our lives. We give you thanks that it's, it speaks. Um, and we give you thanks as we consider our days um, that we can have real hope even as we get older, even as, even as we look out at lockdown that might last for longer than we can tolerate, Father God. We can look out at the days of our lives knowing that they're in your hands. And that, and that in that sense, if we are faithful to you, you, you are working things out for good in our lives. And to that end, we give you great thanks and great glory. Father God, we just pray uh, going forward um, for your church. Um, and in these times, uh, we just pray that your church will be people who reflect you faithfully with their lives. We pray that, um, that something of the light that we thought about um, will be seen. Father God, we give you thanks for that great light that has come into our lives. We cherish it just now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ash. Thanks. Cheers, everyone. Judy, Hi, everybody. Take care. left now for the sound problems, Jude. So me and Paul have both had our <laughs> yes. muting, so it's just on you. God bless everyone. <laughs> See you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.